Hey, welcome back in to Talking Catholic. And today you have to watch this video of two Protestants struggling, trying to explain why they believe or do not believe in the Holy Trinity. It's hilarious. It might be one of the funniest things you've watched this entire year. Unless, unless you've seen Joe Biden trying to use words because not only is that extremely funny, but it's also extremely painful. But in this video, you have curated clips of a popular conservative talking head named Brandon Tatum talking about why the Trinity isn't something Christians should believe in because it isn't in the Bible. And John McCray from the channel, What Do You Mean? trying to explain to Brandon that um, he can rely on Catholic sources, which he intentionally calls Christian sources, to trust that the Trinity is true. And then Brandon saying that the Trinity is just made up by the Catholic Church. And John not really having any response to that fact, other than saying that Brandon needs to do more research and be humble, basically grow up. Watching this debate for me was like watching two five-year-olds trying to figure out why X plus Y minus one equals two. That must be really confusing. <laughs> and so are these guys. Talking Catholic begins now. Boom, we can't get fooled again. A lot of people are telling me talking points and not telling me scripture. And a lot of people are giving me scriptures and then they're leaving out 45 other scriptures that contradict the one scripture that they gave. Let's, let's do Colossians 2 and 9. Somebody brought a Colossians 2 and 9. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in, in bodily form. That's not even the Bible. You, you must be getting that from the, mess, from the message. And that's when you realize it's not you, it's him. Colossians 2.9 reads in the exact way that he just said is not in the Bible. In fact, the way that he read it was so perfect that we can actually have Brandon read it along with us. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in, in bodily form. That's not even the Bible. You, you must be getting that from the, mess, from the message. Okay, on this first point, Brandon actually wins. He's actually the better Protestant here. Because if you're following Martin Luther and you're holding that scripture alone is the sole source of authority for the Christian in the church, then it must therefore follow that the Bible should explicitly state in words, explicitly state that the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit are truly three distinct persons, but three distinct persons who are all united in one Godhead. But the Bible doesn't explicitly say that. It is completely implied in throughout the scriptures in the beginning with Genesis uh, 126, where it says, let us make man in our image. So a plurality of um, is implied right at the beginning of the scriptures um, to all the verses in the New Testament, where the voice of God speaks distinctly to his son, to Jesus, saying that he will send the Holy Spirit to Jesus, giving the commission to baptize in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, on and on and on Colossians. Um, chapter 1, verses 15 through 20, where it says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. In him, Jesus, the fullness, was pleased to dwell. So there's a lot of God-inspired words there that, that, that clearly implies that there is a holy trinity. But from a Protestant soul scripture um, perspective, Brandon is correct. The word trinity is not in the Bible. And thus is the crux of the Protestant problem. Because not even um, the word Bible is in the Bible, right? And the Bible doesn't even say what books should be in the Bible, which then leads us into John McCray's dilemma that if you are relying on the fathers of the Catholic Church, 
in the Catholic Church's ecumenical councils to prove the Catholic doctrine of the Holy Trinity, then you have to explain why they are right about the Trinity but wrong about baptism, the Holy Eucharist, the Lord's Day being fulfilled in the Sabbath, the, the date of Easter, and everything else that you believe. When I started to research about the doctrine of the Trinity, not Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the doctrine of the Trinity, I couldn't find it anywhere in the Bible. Co-equal, co-eternal. I've never seen the word describe God as being co-equal to anybody or co-eternal. Like those words just do not exist in the Bible. Do we even need a word like co-equal or co-eternal if the Bible says that Jesus is equal with the Father and always existed with the Father? No. The fact of the matter is, it doesn't matter if the word Trinity is in the Bible or not. And at some level, I think that Brandon knows this. He knows this because in past videos, Brandon argued that people who identify as Christians and don't hold to a conservative viewpoint aren't really Christians or they're fake Christians. But obviously the word conservative isn't in the Bible. So if you were to ask Brandon why he can conclude that some people are fake Christians because they have a differing view on politics, he would probably argue that the Bible teaches conservatism. And if so, then that's the point. So when he argues argues this about what the Bible teaches, it can't be based on only words that are found in scripture. In the same way, we use words like trinity and co-equal and co-eternal to be reference words that summarizes a teaching that we find in scripture. Okay, John loses a point here because he was sloppy with his logic and creating a false equivalency by using an earlier video where Brandon was not actually talking about the Trinity, he's talking about politics, but, but, but it was talking about conservatism. John is saying that, that, that Brandon cannot argue that conservatism is in a biblical principle, which Brandon actually did not argue, right? But John is pretending as if he might have given a chance. So this is a straw man argument and it's weak, it's, it's horrible, it's, it's fatally weak, right? It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a soft debate tactic used by people who can't debate, right? But but he's saying that, that Brandon can argue, argue that point because the Bible does not explicitly state the word conservative. John loses the point here, not just because his whole line of attack is sloppy with the straw man and out of context, but because he missed Brandon's thesis. Brandon is stating that the Trinity is a doctrine, not an ideology like conservatism is. Therefore, for John to make a solid argument here, he should have been he should have given an example of another word belonging to a dogma or doctrine like the Trinity, which we also do not find in the Bible. So you have to ask yourself the question, where do they exist? They exist outside of the Bible. Okay, they're not just made up words, right? But Brandon is smart enough to realize the problem of Sola Scriptura. He continues. Then you go and you say, well, who's the first person to start saying Trinity? Then you say, oh, okay. So nobody in the whole Bible ever said the word Trinity. Somebody after Jesus had died, 300 years later, started using the word Trinity. So Brennan just said that no one used the word Trinity for 300 years after Jesus died. And as we just saw, even if this were true, it wouldn't even matter. But it's not true. It's actually a false statement. And he proves himself wrong in the very next sentence. Let's listen. Okay, that's fine. They started using the word Trinity. Nobody else had ever used it before Tertullian. I think it was Tertullian, one of these guys. 
So, just a second ago, he said that no one used the word Trinity for 300 years after Jesus died, but then he claims that Tertullian used it. Now, he's right that Tertullian did use the word, but the only problem is Tertullian died in 240 AD. So it would have been impossible for Tertullian to use the word Trinity 300 years after Jesus' death, as Brandon claims. Oops. Tertullian actually used the word in his writings in about 213 AD, which makes his use of the word to be about a hundred and something years after Jesus died, not 300 and some odd years as Brennan claims. But once again, not that it matters, even before Tertullian, we have Theophilus of Antioch using the word at about 180 AD, and others like Origen use the word as well. John is correct here. Brandon is completely wrong about his dates. He's all over the place, but John has a couple of dates off as well. All right, but not as serious Brandon. We do find that the Greek equivalent to the English word Trinity is being used as early as 181 AD in a letter of Theophilus to Autolycus, and then with Tertullian, while he's still Catholic, in about 216 AD, and of origin about a decade later after Tertullian, uh, which John mentioned. But John cuts his example short right before he gets to Pope Dionysius, about 50 years later after origin. The fact of the matter is, I wouldn't even care if people invented the word last year. Reference words like this are just used to summarize a teaching in scripture. So when the word came out or when it was invented, it doesn't really matter. The truth of what the word conveys is what matters. No, no, no. The, the reason why words matter, that they're not just words used to summarize scripture as Brandon stated, is because words mean something. Right, that's the point of words. They have a meaning. If words did not matter, then we could just change the word Trinity or change the word Godhead or consubstantial. If words did not matter, then we could change the word marriage to mean something other than one man and one woman being married. To the contrary, the reason why words cannot change or, or why we don't not treat words casually, in this context especially, is because these words belong, these words belong to dogmatic formulas established by um, the Catholic Church to explain why God is truly three distinct persons, but uh, all three are united in one Godhead. The truth that words convey is attached to the words themselves, right? Etymology. Uh, to state that, uh, that, 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 that the truth of a word, can, uh, what it conveys is distinct from the word itself, like Brandon is trying to say, makes no sense whatsoever because the truth that the word conveys is directly associated with the etymology of the word itself. Words mean something. Words matter. That's why we define what words mean, right? And why we do not have words that do not have definitions. That theology it, that you believe today started in 500 A.D., I think it was like four, 400 to 500 AD. It's, 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 it's in the Catholic encyclopedia that the Trinity started in 325 AD and then it, it, it came to fruition hundreds of years later. The Catholic encyclopedia says it. No, it doesn't. Now, I don't know if he's just making stuff up or if he has some really bad sources that are feeding them some really bad information, but the Catholic Encyclopedia doesn't say anything close to that. If you don't believe me, I've linked the Catholic Encyclopedia section on the Trinity down below if you want to go ahead and read up on it for yourself. Instead, they argue how the truth of the Trinity was revealed in the scriptures, and they also argue from the scriptures and the testimony of the early church leaders who existed prior to the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD. That's how they make their case that this is the historic view that Christians have always held.
But even without reading it, just on the surface of it, his claim seems obviously ridiculous. Do you really think that a doctrine that's important as who God is and if Jesus is God or not could just be invented one day in 325 AD and somehow was able to persuade virtually all of the Christian bishops who voted on it at the council? I don't know what Brandon's been reading, but he seems to have been misled about what the council was even about. In a nutshell, the council wasn't even about the Trinity. It was held because there was a bishop named Arius who was alive from about 256 AD to 325 AD, and he started preaching against the accepted understanding of the divinity of Jesus. And at this point, he started to gain a following. So because Arius was gaining a following, Constantine, who just legalized the tolerance of Christianity so that people would stop killing Christians, he was worried that the followers of Arius clashing with the Orthodox Christians would be a threat to the stability of the empire. So he called a council to have the dispute settled. So the council went from, I believe it was May to August, and the bishops sat down and listened to the case that Arius put forth. And out of about 312 bishops who showed up to vote, only Arius and two others voted in favor of Arius's view. And ultimately, they concluded that Arius's view was a new view that wasn't taught by any of the apostles or the church fathers, so they rejected his view. Given the fact that there were only two other bishops that sided with Arius's view, goes to show the fact that Christians had a pretty strong consensus, and it wasn't as if doctrine was just invented one random night in 325 AD. All right, point to John here, right? He, he completely owns Brandon, not just because of Brandon's sloppy dates again, but John offers a very good summary of the whole points of Catholic ecumenical councils, such as Nicaea. The fact of the matter is that the Catholic Church has historically used her ecumenical councils as opportunities to respond to heresies. And out of those responses is where we have formulated many of the dogmas of which we heretofore believed, but never had a reason or opportunity to call the bishops of the church together to magisterially define, pronounce, and promulgate them. Now, where John's argument is weak is that he keeps referring um, to these bishops as cr mere Christians, right? as if they are not Catholic Christians. But I think that is something Protestants have to do. It's like calling a bottle of beer a bottle of wheat. A bottle of beer, a bottle of wheat, right? And, and what you, like your wife asks, hey, what are you having for, for, for dinner, honey? Oh, I'm going to have a bottle of wheat. Yeah, right. If you keep calling a bottle of beer a bottle of wheat long enough, <clears throat> you won't have to deal with the consequences of it being beer. Similarly, when Protestants keep calling the Catholic Church the early church or the Catholic bishops the church fathers or in, in Christians, they don't have to deal with the consequences of the other things that the early church and those Christian bishops believed, such as the papacy, the whole Eucharist and the veneration of saints and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 325 AD at the Nicene Council, they believed that the Father and the Son were both God. The Holy Spirit wasn't even a part of it. 150 years later, they decided that the Holy Spirit, the Son, and the Father were all God. Now, I have no idea what he's talking about here when he claims that the Holy Spirit wasn't declared God until 500 AD or so. I think he may be referring to the Council of Constantinople, but if he is, again, he's mistaken about what happened, and that was in 381 AD, not 500 AD. All right, point to John again, all right? Uh, I have no idea what Brandon is talking about either. He looks like he's either drunk or tired or both. I mean, really. This doctrine is traceable. That's true. It has an origin. The Bible, correct. Okay, point taken from John again. 
the Catholic Church who formulated the doctrine of Holy Trinity never said that the Bible alone was a source of that revelation. We didn't even have a Bible until 381 AD. So how could a dogma have come from the Bible when we didn't even agree on the Bible yet? To the contrary, as Catholics, we hold that nothing we believe is contrary to what God has revealed in his inspired sacred scriptures that we've collected into 73 books that we call the Bible. But that our sources of God, God's revelation is both sacred scripture and sacred tradition, not the Bible alone. The Roman Catholic Church, which is the first major expression of God's church, which I think was not God's church, but many people think it is. If you would at least acknowledge that the Catholic Church was the first to coin it, was the first to show pictures of three people. Look, I don't even know what a major expression of God's church is or and I don't even know what a, a Roman is. Right. Roman or Latin is a liturgical right, not a church. Right. Um, but the Catholic Church is the only church that can prove that it was established by Jesus Christ himself through his apostles and that it has retained its oneness, its holiness, its universalness, its apostolicity for the past 2000 years. So. Half a point to Brandon for recognizing the fact that Christianity owes a debt to the Catholic Church for formulating the doctrine of the Holy Trinity. Now the sad part is, in his videos where he talks about this topic, they're just like what we've seen here. They're filled with misinformation, him assuming his position in order to prove it, him changing his standards consistently about what counts as evidence, and other fallacious tactics that make it difficult for him to see what's wrong with his position. Now of course, I don't know what his motives are, but if I had a guess on it, I would think that he's not doing this intentionally. We all do this in ways that we probably don't even realize or even think about. But my hope here is that through more careful reflection and humility, Brandon will come to see the truth about who God really is and will place his hope in the same place that the apostles placed their hope. Right, of these two fellas, I think Brandon is probably the closest to coming home to the Catholic Church because he actually realizes that Sola Scriptura is false. It's a lie. It's, it's misleading, right? Um, the Bible does not explicitly teach it, right? It doesn't explicitly teach that the Scripture alone is a sole source of the Christian and church. So I think in the near future, I think Brandon either becomes a Catholic or becomes atheist because that's his only two options because the Bible doesn't even say that you cannot belong to a church either. So so he, he either has to reject Jesus altogether or just come home to the Catholic Church, the church that Christ Jesus established through his apostles. Um, either way, I hope you were entertained watching these two Protestants struggling, trying to explain the Catholic dogma. Um, through a Protestant lens. Um, I might update you on how this thing progresses, but until then, and until next time, blessings and shalom to you and to yours. Hi everybody, thank you for watching. Subscribe here to get the latest from the show. Also be sure to check out the content you've missed. If you'd like to keep supporting my work, consider joining my team on Patreon, where you'll be gifted great perks, like books, hoodies, and mugs. Thanks again.